Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for Wellness Wednesday podcast. This podcast is a forum where you can listen in as ASHP members share successful strategies on wellness and resiliency in both their personal and professional lives. My name is Christina Martin. I'm the director of the New Practitioners Forum at ASHP, and I will be your host for today's episode of Wellness Wednesday. On today's episode, we are going to open the ASHP webinar vault to a recent conversation on caring for the pharmacy workforce, wellness strategies for the pharmacy team. Before we do, we recognize that a lot has happened in 2020 and want to remind you of our COVID-19 Resource Center with a page specifically dedicated to workplace safety and well-being. We recognize that you, our members and our partners, are in various stages of preparing for, responding to, and recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic. And perhaps that cycle may start again in the fall of 2020 or early 2021. Be sure to check out specific resources for each of these stages that are available to you on our web-based Tips for Taking Care of Yourself page. There really has been an increased emphasis to shift to addressing individual factors during this challenging time. And so we hope you will remind yourself of the well-being reminders during difficult times to care for your basic needs and others that you are caring for. So a brief intro to the webinar. This was a recent conversation where we heard from our colleagues from the Uniform Services University and Bethesda, Maryland. They reminded us that clinical practice during a crisis can be both challenging, but also can be rewarding. As we've changed the way we're working, learning, and living, at the same time, we must be mindful of how we lead, connect to others, and care for ourselves. Here, you will hear our colleagues talk about tools needed for clinician and team resilience during challenging times. Let us know what you think, and if there are future topics you'd like to hear about, contact us at wellbeingashp.org. Now, hear from the conversation from our colleagues. I'm now going to turn it over to a moderated discussion with our colleagues, and I'll first turn it over to Dr. Lewis, who guided us through the meditation. These next couple of slides are directed for you. Um, let's begin the conversation with a discussion of effective coping strategies for the pharmacy workforce. What do staff who care for patients, who care for learners, who care for each other, need to know about coping during a time of crisis? Sure. So there are many aspects of coping to consider when faced with a crisis that we'd like to discuss today. Given the current public health emergency, the COVID-19 pandemic has brought a lot of uncertainty and fear upon us and is affecting the health, safety, and well-being across communities. Due to the multiple challenges and stressors associated with this current pandemic, many are at increased risk for emotional distress and psychiatric illness. Some individuals and populations are more vulnerable to the psychological effects of this public health emergency. These include those who have the virus and those at heightened risk of contracting the virus, such as the elderly and immunocompromised. Those at risk for emotional distress also include healthcare professionals, given the risk of exposure, risk of exposing their loved ones, longer working hours, 
and resource allocation decision-making that they have to do. Fear of the unknown, loss of financial, um, personal freedoms that are imposed by the government, along with some of the conflicting messages we get, their financial losses and family struggles related to the work and school closures are just a few of some of the many major stressors that are felt um, by the majority of us. Having an understanding of the various challenges that many will encounter and recognizing that members of your team may be facing these challenges as well will allow you to better support one another. The way in which people may cope with these challenges and crises uh, can vary. Reactions may present as emotional, behavioral, or physical in nature. Someone having emotional stress reaction may present as apathetic or sad, anxious or restless, and they may be irritable or overly argumentative with coworkers. They may suffer from mental fatigue and have difficulty concentrating in the workplace. Or perhaps they might uh, be in denial and overwork themselves to the point where they're exhausted. Behavioral stress reactions may include withdrawal and social isolation, or perhaps a coworker is reluctant to accept responsibilities. One might react by acting out as a cry for help, or they might make uh, administrative infractions, such as showing up late for work, um, being unprepared, or showing up in poor work appearance. Preoccupation with illness, immune system suppression, and somatic symptoms are all um, examples of physical stress re reactions. For example, someone um, might suffer from frequent headaches, insomnia, weight loss or gain, gastrointestinal issues like nausea, diarrhea, constipation. Um, some of the conflicting messages from public health and the government and differences in orders in various locations, along with the stigma of quarantine and home confinement, only intensifies all this emotional stress that we're feeling. In addition to the reactions I've just stated, some may further develop psychiatric conditions that are unhealthy um, or unhealthy behaviors, such as substance use, or they might be non-compliant with the orders that are placed on us at any given time. With that being said, it's important to recognize that many of these reactions are an appropriate response to this level of distress. In fact, many members of your team and organization will have these responses. So it's important to normalize these reactions. Understand that distress can be managed, offer support and provide additional resources and medical support as needed. Understanding stress management techniques and coping skills will help decrease some of these reactions to stress. One of the biggest predictors of our ability to minimize our negative response to these major stressors is our ability to bounce back or what we call mental resilience. Mental resilience, especially when faced with a crisis, increases our ability to face the stressor and manage our reactions to it. Being mental, building mental resilience among the pharmacy team members may lead to increased hope, compassion towards others, the opportunity for growth, and healthier, more united working experience during these troubling times. Thank you for highlighting what some of those manifestations may look like. They may be physical, they may be behavioral, or there might be a psychological component. Um, and I really appreciate that you highlighted that during these times, especially during a sustained crisis or crises, there may be opportunities for us as 
uh, as leaders and for us as individuals to normalize that, that it's not bad or it's not wrong and um, to, to shame others and how they are responding to uh, external challenges in our environment. Shifting gears a little bit, uh, we've used the term resilience in this presentation and in some of our past conversations with the three of you. And I'm going to now turn over to Dr. Owen. Uh, we frequently hear the term resilience. Can you share with us what does it mean when we say someone should be resilient and why is this important to the conversation we're having on strategies and supporting our teams? Sure thing. Great. Good afternoon, everyone. So when we look at, I think that that is a, a resilience is a word that we often tend to maybe use with a lot of things. In, in terms of what we're talking about here, we want to identify resilience as one's ability or process that one has adapted or adopted when faced with adversity, trauma, or whatever they consider a significant stressor. We all have different stressors and identify on certain different levels of severity. We know that during a crisis, our physical state can be exacerbated, but also in a crisis, our mental state can be exacerbated. And you have the two together in an already difficult situation. You put them together and it becomes overwhelming for an individual. So resilience is an individual's ability to take that change, that stressor, cope and face it with some kind of adversity, adapt to change, recovery, learning, and growing from these setbacks. Originally, we looked at resilience from a more individualistic perspective. However, recently, there's been a shift to more of a systemic focus, which is really what we want to emphasize here. Resilience now is perceived more as an outcome of relationships or the various interactions that occurs between an individual, their family, whether it's their home or their work family or their social family, and their community. We're really looking at these protective factors that come along with this family and community resilience, putting together and playing a pivoted role in creating that individual's capacity for resilience. So resilience, or the relative resistant to psychosocial risk experiences, can consist of two different pieces. One, you have this person's capability to protect oneself under stressful situations or an experience. And two, it's that ability to create a positive life despite experiencing these difficult situations day in and day out. So as we shift to a more systemic approach, it's an important when we consider how we approach these problems and really are trying to find solutions. Considering available strengths in an individual's life, such as strong family ties, strong support, as well as community support, such as one's church, school, or work, has a positive influence on functioning and resilience. It's not just the individual, but rather a well-functioning family system type unit that makes it possible for one to strive or cope in what we consider an otherwise unhealthy or stressful environment. In a family, there's various dynamics. You can have leadership, decision-making, communication, and flexibility-type characteristics. It provides cohesiveness and the support amongst each other. And this is often the best resource that they can provide. When there's a problem or stressor present, the individuals around them is kind of the glue to keep it together. So family res resilience 
or the outcomes of the relationships between them appear to be interconnected or complement each other and play a role in overall resilience of an individual. So when we look at community resilience, one of the newer concepts, this is discussed as the importance of various social supports in an environment. It may be an important factor for building overall resilience. The shift to more systemic focus has greatly broadened our understanding of the processes that create resilience. Individual, family, and community systems can improve resilience at the biological, psychological, and social levels. So what does this mean at the organizational, organizational level? So we know that chronic and uncontrolled stressors have a significant impact on our physical and mental health. For the pharmacy team, having a general knowledge of resiliency at all different levels and its impact on both the positive and negative outcomes while implementing these techniques to promote resilience has the greater impact on one's overall well-being to include workplace productivity and satisfaction, which should be the primary goal in any organization. Absolutely. So, um, Dr. Owen, do you have any specific tools, techniques, interventions that one should consider either for themselves or their staff to further promote individual and team resilience during this time? Sure. I think Colonel Schimmel's hit on um, some key kind of concepts, really the mindfulness, the self-compassion, which is huge, and the self-care. And these really are what we want to send as a message as the key concepts that can further promote individual resilience. It's important to note as individual resiliency builds, our distress level decreases, right? When our overall distress level is lower, it typically allows for us to be more present and compassionate towards others as well, which is not easy. As we have more mental capacity and that positive energy to focus on others, we tend to empathize more with those around us. We connect. That empathy generates an appreciation for others and allows us the ability to improve relationships. So embracing that empathy in the workplace can improve team satisfaction, and it's an essential to create a healthy work environment, ultimately promoting greater organizational re resilience is what we really want. One recent study we looked at is the application of resilience intervention training in a special forces police workforce. So this intervention included psychoeducation about stress, risks to health, and their overall job performance. The participants received training on various breathing techniques to be used during stressful situation, which allowed them to assist in controlling their physiological responses when under stress. In addition, they received education about communication and different coping strategies to be applied at both the workplace and their home. So together, this intervention resulted in increased reports of positive emotion, vitality, reduction in depressive symptoms, and an overall improved self-regulation in their response to stress. Physiologically, this study also showed improvement in a number of health measures, such as one's sleep or heart rate or cholesterol or blood pressure and glucose regulation, really resulting in a 14% decrease in annual healthcare costs and care. So we might be asking, how can I, an individual, implement resilience inter interventions within my organization or pharmacy workplace? So it's important to note that here, 
Healthy and resilient organizations make continuous and proactive efforts to improve employee and organizational outcomes by implementing organizational resources and practices with goals. These goals need to focus on improving the environment, especially during these crisis or increased stressful times. Healthy organizational resources and practices might include social support opportunities, work family type strategies, or just overall transformational leadership, kind of an overhaul or an overview of, hey, where are we today? Strategies that structure and organize the work to create healthy employees and teams may improve overall trust and work engagement in the organization, which this in turn may help improve well-being and the outcomes of the organization. Lastly, I think of this as an approach, as an active approach, both for an individual and team employee. In the military, we are very focused on readiness. Readiness, anytime, anywhere, ready to go, to be deployed, whether it be country or stateside. However, we really look on an individual's personal readiness. So when we think about personal readiness, this is the physical, psychological, social, spiritual, and family preparedness needs. These are the needs of an individual. This will help optimize performance in order for an individual to be fit for duty, both at home and in their workplace. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.